0: Women aren't born warriors. We become them. And the road to becoming a warrior is bumpy as hell. Each week I'm interviewing women who through tragedy and triumph are leaping for greatness. Get ready to unleash your inner warrior. I'm Liz Swadek, and this is Conversations with Warrior Women. It's not easy for mothers of young children to get in that political door Here are the depressing facts to prove it. At the start of 2020, only 26 Congress seats are held by moms with children under 18. That's 5% of our legislators. In total, there are 131 women sitting in the Senate and House seats, comprising of less than 24% of Congress. About 88% of women become mothers by the age of 44 in the U.S., yet despite making up such a large segment of the population, they make up the smallest number in our federal government. Imagine the political landscape if elected seats were filled by qualified, hardworking moms who know what firsthand the majority of Americans endure day to day, raising the children of our future. Moms in Office endorsed and supported over 20 women during the 2020 election cycle. You can support Moms in Office by going to momsinoffice.org. Let's get those moms running for office. Warrior women, did you know that you are not protected under the Constitution? Not protected. That the Equal Rights Amendment was never ratified. It never passed. In our continuing series on femininity, this is part four in our series, I'm talking to a documentary producer who's offering an unflinching look into women's rights, women in politics, and why the future most definitely needs to be female. Our fan of the week this week is Amy in Venice. She says, Liz is an excellent interviewer and guides the conversations in a unique and compelling way. She chooses guests that are interesting, genuine, and fun to listen to and has a unique gift in bringing out the best. Thanks, Amy. That's so nice of you. Okay, Warrior Woman, make sure that you hit that subscribe button so you don't miss an episode and follow us on Warrior Women Pod on Instagram for the latest news. Rita Bakuzzi! Oh my God, it's so good to see you, Rita. You were episode 25, and you were one of the most popular episodes, by the way, Rita. It was a financial warrior episode. What if I wanna
1: come and hang out with you more, Rita? What are you doing? Oh my gosh, Liz, I would love for you to come hang out more with me. And I'm gonna extend a personal invitation to you and all your warrior women to join me at Wine, Women & Wealth, because that's a monthly event where we get to have fun together. It's a safe space to talk and we get to connect with other amazing women. Wine, women, and wealth, this sounds right up my alley, but what if I don't know anything, Rita? What if I really need a kind of a little bit of education around money? Well, then you can check out my free Money 101 webinar where you get to learn six key money principles, how to create a financial shield of armor. I love that. Okay, but what if I'm really serious about money? Like, what if
0: I really wanna get in deep with you, I wanna learn a lot, and I wanna go fast?
1: Well, if you want to go fast, Money Education Movement boot camp is yours. If you're serious and fast, you get that money mindset mastery, your money skills mastery in a small, interactive group. My God, I love all these things. Okay, I want to sign up for everything. Where do I go, Mama Rita? You get to go to mamaritamoney.com.
0: Yes, that's M-A-M-M-A-R-I-T-A-money.com. Come on, warriors, join me and let's get financially savvy. Today on the show, Jyothi Sarda. Jyothi brings 20 years as a senior level global marketing executive with major studios and blue chip brands to developing impact-creating documentary and narrative content through her company, Nimble Media. Currently, she is the producer of the award-winning PBS docu-series, and she could be next, following the movement led by women of color to transform politics as candidates and organizers. Oh, it's so good. I watched it, I loved it. She is also co executive producer of Equal Means Equal, which will anger you very greatly. Equal Means, an award winning documentary feature that is unflinching, an unflinching examination of the discrimination against women built into the US legal system. Jothi, I'm so excited to talk to you. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Liz. Oh my goodness. I don't even know where to begin with you. You are a warrior woman in every sense of the word. So I am like- And you're a woman in training. (laughs) I I don't know. You are just incredible to me. So I want to go back to the beginning though. That's how I like to do it. Tell me about you growing up. What did you think you would grow up to be?
2: Well, all of this ties into my parents, right? So I am the daughter of two immigrants who decided to travel halfway around the world to start a new life. And then, you know, so my dad got the scholarship from Stanford University and he came out here and then he brought my mom out here. The reason I mentioned that is, although I was born here, you know, when you're, the daughter of immigrant parents, they really try to steer you into professions that are practical. They want to make sure that everyone in the family succeeds. So that meant uh you had three options. You could be a doctor, an engineer, or an accountant, according to them. Yeah, that's it. There's nothing else. Yeah. <laughs> there are so no where other are they, where are your out parents there. from though? Where are you from? They both uh my my father came, uh, they're both from India. You okay. know, so from India.
0: Yeah. yeah, so the, you had three choices. So you had to pick A, B or C. And so that's really what you knew you were going to be growing up because you only had A, B and C. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I like that. I like that the, your parents
2: are like, you're going to be successful. It's going to happen. <laughs> I mean, I'm pr- fairly sure that this is true of many other immigrant populations. It's not yes. unique yes. to Indian families, but it is rather funny. Anyway, that is just the way I grew up. And it sort of steered my college choices even. And then, uh, and then, you know, I had to sort of discover myself after that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I was even going to say, how does that affect your whole career path, right? Like you just, it's almost like you have this really high standard. Like you're not in the, I'm going to explore around and see what comes up for me thing. You're like, I have got to go hard <laughs> early and it's going to happen.
2: Well, I, I was fairly sure I didn't want to be a doctor, to be honest with you. But my parents definitely put the thumb on the scale in terms of accounting. I mean, you know, that's sort of what I did. I was a bookkeeper instead of, you know, working at, at retail like a lot of college, uh, high school kids and, you know, early days. Uh, so that informed, you know, the choice of college even. Uh, I went to USC, which had the number two school in accounting, very strongly influenced by my parents. And so when I got this, you know, I took this exciting class in marketing and I decided to change majors. They were totally flummoxed. I mean, it was mayhem. They did not know what was going to happen. Well, that's not A, B, or C, Hilarious if you think about it. That's not A, B, or C. So you're not doing it right. No, it wasn't. And I I changed my majors and they did everything they could including you know trying to say well, you know, we don't know if we can pay for college because they really thought I was headed off into some it wasn't like I was picking like I mean not to put down artistry but like something that's a little bit more risky. Uh, no, they just didn't you know like, I'm going to go market. run off and join the moonies. I'm joining a cult. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> That's so pretty funny in, in, in retrospect.
0: But. I mean, I love that so much. You have said one of your hardest lessons you've learned that is that hard work doesn't pay off. Ooh, that well, I have to there's tell you.
2: Another lesson from my dad. Yeah. That didn't there was another coda, you know, another piece to it. So he always said, you know, with hard work, you can go anywhere. And you know, look, his hard work, he was incredibly smart too brought him halfway around the world to this new life. So it made sense for him. The problem is when all you do is put in the hard work and you don't actually let people know what it is you're up to, then you've sort of missed an opportunity, haven't you? And these are lessons that I think, I don't want to assume that all women have to learn these lessons, but I do think it's true for certain populations where the idea doesn't come naturally. They think of it as bragging rather than Simply informing people, it's, it's like considerate information to let people know what it is that you're good at and what you've just done for them or- Or exciting projects you're working on or exactly. anything. Exactly. Yeah. You know, it's
0: funny. I, I'm a little bit more of a shouted from the rooftops person just because I've had great success doing that. But it is funny. I will be talking to someone and they're like, oh, I'm just doing this thing. And I'm like, what? What are you doing? And it is a monumental thing. You mental and I'm like, you're just mentioning this now like you know because I want to then shout it too. you know? like when yeah. I found out about you and all the things you were doing, I was like, oh my gosh, I want to tell everyone I know to watch these two things. I was just having a freak out. You are an expert in transitions. that's something I've definitely noticed. So you've done a lot of transitions in your life. Tell me if you were gonna to give us some advice as women, how do we get good at these transitions? because I feel like change is really hard for any damn person. Yeah. So we've been forced to
2: change. Here comes the pandemic. Yeah. Oh, you think you're doing everything your way? Ha ha ha. That's so funny. Now you're not. No, it's true. It's not just the pandemic. I mean, technology, all of it. We are going to be going through cycles of change over and over again. That's just like there's no choice. So it's about how do you adapt to it? And I will say this much. Anytime anyone goes through a transition, you immediately become an expert in it because you've done it, you know, and you figure out what works and what doesn't work about the process that you just went through. Part of why I told you that backstory about my parents is it really ended up being sort of my evolution where I started started on a path, you know, with college and a certain, and then I, each evolution of my journey and career-wise has also represented an evolution in my own freedom of like allowing myself to explore areas that were not practical or predictable, right? And it's sort of like discovering that as you go through it, you have to have sort of a little bit of trust in yourself that you have the ability to make a career out of it. And, you know, these things actually all work out, but it is a very real issue for people to sort of have the confidence to take what seems like an uncertain step.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I love that idea. The thing you just said, I love the idea of making room for the unpractical and unpredictable. How about making room for that? Because it is really tough as, as women. I feel like we hold ourselves to a crazy high standard. We torture ourselves with every mistake we make, but how about leaving a little room for the unpredictable, you know, and knowing that it's maybe
2: not going to go exactly the way we want every time that we're doing things because I am the type of person I am, and I was brought up a certain way. I actually, when I've gone through transitions, I've I've as I've gone through three major ones, and I've planned for them a little bit better because the first transition when I went, I, I actually used to work at Fox running the TV and DVD business, and I thought I would go and do some consulting work, and in that transition, I didn't have, I didn't prepare mentally or financially for that transition. So mentally it was, it was understanding that there was going to be an on-ramp, like it was going to take time to build relationships and to really seek out the kind of consulting projects that made sense for me. And also financially not feeling so insecure. And most people I knew had actually taken a year, six months to a year to kind of make that happen, but I didn't plan for that. And so I very quickly Grabbed at the first paying job that really, you know, it made me feel more secure. Yeah. And so when I did it again, I actually planned better the next time. And I knew mentally what, what would happen. And I also planned financially to allow myself to really ride out that wave. I love that. That's so really... there are practical ways to be impractical. But yeah, exactly. Right. But you still have a plan. You're not going to be a woman without a plan. Yeah. I think, it doesn't I think like, like, ooh, just let anything, because there yeah. are bills to pay. There are people often that depend on you. Yes. And uh, so you have to, you have, but there are ways to do that and really think it through and make a plan and explore. I also did yeah. some exploration from the safety of my paying job that paid off. Well, that's people. a good point. You don't have to just make a big sweeping change. You can plan it out. You can
0: start the transition is even yeah. mentally you can start it. You may need be doing the same damn job, but you're mentally Pulling yourself away, thinking of what that new life is going to be be like. I think that the key is not making such a transition, kind of getting lead time and getting used to everything. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. So I watched your documentary "Equal Means Equal," and I was very upset. <laughs> <laughs> put it, to put it mildly. <laughs> It's not that I don't know some of the things that are in the documentary, although I do think it is an eye opener, even for me, just the way it's all laid out and you realize like how long it's been going on. Tell me about making that and tell me about what do you think people are most shocked to learn when they watch? Because I'm sure you get a lot of feedback on this thing. Tell me about your experience with it. And then also what are people the most shocked to learn or women the most shocked to learn?
2: First of all, I need to give credit. This isn't my documentary. Well, I'm still calling it uh, yours. I just do that. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's so director Kamala Lopez and I met and, and one of the things I didn't even realize is that women's rights were not enshrined in the constitution. And, you know, I had a lot of experience in the workplace by then I had obviously graduated. I, you know, I had a master's degree and like, where did I not figure all of this out? You know, the women's movement, all of that sort of died down at a certain point. It wasn't in the news at first. I would go around talking to people about all the things that I was learning in the process of helping Kamala get the documentary out into the world, and you know, helping her make her views known. And a lot of my friends would say, "Well, you know, I I feel like we're past all of that. I feel very equal." Yeah, we're good. Women are good. We're fine. Are not law, you know? I mean, like, think about pay equity. There are more penalties in place for racial discrimination versus sexual discrimination. In fact. Um, I'll talk about this in a bit, but I'm working on a new project about Lily Ledbetter, who's like sort of the fair pay icon. And that's one of the things you learn in the course of her legal journey is that, you know, because she was a white woman, she actually did not have legal recourse that she would have had if she were, you know, uh, one of the more protected classes, shall we say. So it's a very eye-opening, I encourage everybody to at least watch it and and just be educated on why the Equal Rights Amendment is important and why, and it's now, I think with this new administration, uh, I think there's going to, and there's 38 states that have now ratified it, so there's going to be a really big push to finally enshrine it in the Constitution, which just like it just seems like common sense, doesn't it? It does, and it shocks
0: me that we it are does. not. They were out there all just collectively believing that we're equal and just assuming that we're equal, but we're not actually in on
2: paper <laughs> equal. So that's that's a well big deal. as we are discovering within the Constitution is really important. <laughs> you know,
0: we have learned this over the last little while yeah. here. Yes. And do you think that's the thing that's the most shocking that people learn is that it's not in the Constitution?
2: Or what do you think is, I mean, I think the pay gaps are really scary thing to see. I mean, every law that's in place that is meant to protect women is undergirded by the lack or the promise of the Equal Rights Amendment. And that is what, I know it's boring because it's constitutional law, but it actually impacts our everyday lives. And may I say I think it really now starts to inform me in terms of the struggles that I faced as a working woman. Like you realize that there are systemic issues that it's not just you, it's literally the system isn't set up to support you. That's sort of what I'm excited about is to let other people know these things.
0: Yeah, and we need to obviously push this administration to push it through because we don't know what's happening in the next four years. We know this four years, we don't know the next. I was really excited about, the changing face of politics. Like, I feel like I've been watching even from my little white woman's seat. I, George Floyd opened my eyes quite a bit. And now of course I can't shut them because now I know things that I didn't know before. And I understand things I didn't understand before. And, but I was really excited, like watching the political landscape slowly turning into another direction. People of color coming to the forefront and seeing women of color taking office and running. And it, it, that's like thrilling for me. Women in general, but women of color are amazing. Tell me about And She Could Be Next. How did this docuseries come about? And it's like an adrenaline rush. Thank
2: you. Was like, yeah, hey. I, it, was, it was for us too. Wow. Uh, so that's where, you know, I had finished working on this project, Equal Means Equal. and I And I just got to thinking like, why is it so difficult to pass something That's so simple. Like most people, if you ask them, would agree that women should be legally equal to men, right? And then I thought, oh, look at these lawmakers. Why are they, why do they all look the same, right? You know, there aren't just white men out there who vote. Not that there's anything wrong with white men. It's just that we don't need quite so many as lawmakers, right? Shouldn't our country look a little bit more reflective of um, who the voter base is? So I thought to myself, and I had just transitioned out of my comfortable job into this uncomfortable, independent role, and I thought, you know, why don't I use everything I've just learned uh, with Equal Means Equal and uh, let's make a documentary that kind of sheds some light on this topic because a lot of people don't understand the political process. They yes. sort of get involved towards the end, and then they think, why is everybody just sort of look the same? It's because that's the way the system is, right? And I'm super, as you can tell, super interested in systemic change. So I found, I wasn't a documentary filmmaker. I found a really smart political and seasoned award-winning filmmaker partner in Grace Lee. And then later we added another producer, Marjan Safinia. And so the three of us, the two of them were the directors. We set out to make this Docu series and, and we started thinking we were about to elect the first woman president in 2016, but we still wanted to shed light on the, you know, the process. And then, of course, that didn't quite go as planned. And then we really had to think about what was happening in the country. And we sort of pivoted into uh, looking at women of color because we really wanted to examine politics through the lens of race and gender. Right. Those are the two. Yeah. Issues that seem to we seem to be grappling with in this country, and the three of us were all women of color, so you know it kind of made sense to us anyway. Yes, hello. Turned out to be an examination worth having, for sure. Yeah, I mean, even
0: Stacey Abrams, who now, of course, everybody knows her name, but even the footage you have, where maybe people didn't know her as well then, now she's like a superhero. She might be flying around with her cape. Who do you think is well? Either tell me who do you think is like one to watch, like who may be coming up through the ranks faster than we think, or just someone who kind of blew you away that
2: you were filming with, or, or someone from- Well, yeah. okay, first of all, just so you know, there were more people who blew us, a- women of color, who blew us away than are included in the documentary. Oh, I'm sure. Already had more to follow. And they all turned out to sort of play a role. We didn't know at the time, we were just following the people who really seemed exciting to us. I mean, even uh, Deb Holland, who we followed for a bit, um, now she's being considered for interior secretary. So here's the deal. This is what we discovered, and it is definitely exciting. I mean, there was a Bushra Amiwala who was 19 at the time we started filming her and now is 21, right? I cannot wait till Bushra uh, runs for president. I mean, she is so incredibly articulate and so clear about who she is and her identity, right? I mean... Who, who's like that at 21? I mean, not um, me. <laughs> not me. But what what I really would love for your listeners to key in on are, are these organizers. I mean, a lot of these organizers came to attention once the Georgia Senate runoffs were so much in the national news. But there are organizers, often women of color, because they just sort of do that out of necessity of needing to move their communities forward, right? Right there are women of color who are organizing their communities in many different states, including the ones that you think of as being sort of on the cusp of change, like whether it's Texas or Florida or, you know, Virginia, like any of those. And they are out there doing the day-to-day work of like transforming their communities. And that is something, I will be honest, we didn't really know going in, but we discovered it and it was an eye-opening discovery to understand that that is how actually political change happens. It's like literally on your community level and that all of us have a role to play in that. I mean, we all have circles of influence, you know? Yes, and yeah. So that was kind of an interesting message that we decided that we would try to promote as well as the idea of that you know, there's really an organizer in all of us and we could just kind of do what we can do in our daily lives and it makes our communities better.
0: I Oh, my God. Yes. Yes. I mean, it's the on the ground people who are really making it happen. I mean, you know, I said to the kids, you know, my daughter was like in tears when Kamala was like, I mean, who wasn't? We were all crying our heads off. I mean, I barely made it through the day. I was like, she literally, like if she went by the screen for four seconds, I was like, "Ah!" she hadn't even talked yet. Like nothing happened, you know? But we, one of the beauties of that is I said, oh my gosh, think of all, she's bringing us all with her. We're all with her. Like we all were like, we want a woman. We want somebody, you know, we wanted Hillary. We didn't get her. I mean, I get emotional talking about it because I really did want Hillary. And so seeing that moment, it was so important. But you think of all the people that were on the ground that made that happen. I mean, I was texting, I was calling, I did postcards to swing states. I mean, I told everyone I knew about everything, anything that was organizing. I mean, I feel like I helped get her there. You did. I you do. Did. And, and I think that's important. I think everybody has to realize even these little things we do, you are part of it. You did yes, make that happen exactly. and you should take responsibility and say, I did that. I made that happen yeah. too. I was part of that. You know, because it is, it's not just her just waking
2: up one day and saying, oh, you know, I I'm think I'm going to head to the White House today, see if they'll let me in. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't know if this is a quote, but they talk about democracy being a participatory sport. It's not really one for the sidelines, as we've come to find out, right? Oh, I God. mean, look, we've really got to stay engaged. Yeah. So anyway, I, I think that has been a very empowering sort of realization and discovery is, to to watch all these amazing organizers and the women who ran for office, who really, you know, represented themselves and their communities authentically. You know, they weren't trying to be somebody else other than who they were. All of that feels really just exciting to me.
0: It's super exciting. I I am a a board member of Moms in Office, uh, which was started by Simona Grace. Do you know that organization? Yes. Yes. So I'm a board member and I love her to die. I love her story. I had her on the podcast, an immigrant who came here with nothing, who did all these things. But one of the things that she blew my mind with, and I wanted to know what your thoughts on was this, was that women don't generally make a lot of political donations. And it stands right right now. The way to get to the White House is money. I mean, Mm -hmm. as much as we don't want it to be that, it is that. And there are people who are even... People like Josh Hawley right now or Marjorie Taylor Greene who are like, oh, they are so crazy. I don't even know. I mean, my gosh. Oh, no, no. They raise millions. There are people behind them still pumping millions Mm -hmm. behind them. And I don't think people realize that, that even if you don't think you have a lot of money, which I certainly don't have that much, I donate monthly. I donated monthly to the Biden campaign. I couldn't just write him a big check. But I donated mo- monthly for that whole time, those years back behind. And I thought, I'm just going to do this because I know this makes a difference. And I told all my girlfriends the same thing. I said, You got to write that check. You got to donate monthly. That is what's going to make the difference. Did you find, like, when you were filming, did you run into this or see this kind of like, what did you, what was your take on that? Like, the financial side. That
2: was part of the process that we wanted to uncover is like, yeah. what was the system in place that, that, you know, kept women from not succeeding, really. Because anytime women run and women of color run, they have just a good a chance of winning, of, of becoming elected officials as when men run. It's just they don't run. So A, it's, you know, who is taking the leap to run for office and then who around them are going to support them. And then that's part of the early investment, right? A lot of women feel are very accustomed to giving for sort of charitable reasons and they just don't for whatever they haven't until recently given politically and men are very accustomed to, and this is a bit of a, you know, over, I don't, simplification. Oh of, yeah, absolutely. Behavior, for sure. absolutely. But, but, historically, that, but I do think that historically, that's changing. Yeah. I do yeah. think
0: it's changing, but historically, you know, mm-hmm. they men are, you know, in these clubs and then these different gatherings and they just, have a little dinner and write a $10,000, $20,000, $50,000 check. I mean, they just do that. That's like normal for them. Like, oh, you're running? I'm going to support you. I mean, I don't really even care.
2: Like what they're really doing. Oh, i support you. Here you go. I mean, and And that would assume that you also are in a position to write those kinds of checks. So here's the deal. I think that one of the things that a lot of these really interesting campaigns have shown us is the idea of small donors adding up to sort of big, Movements, right? So, and, and um, what's also exciting is that a lot of the folks who campaign now really tout their small donor bona fides, yes. right? Yeah. Uh, so I just think that's really changed the culture so that people feel much more empowered to get behind a candidate that makes sense for them or a movement of sorts, you know, than before. Yeah. So I agree with that. I thought, you
0: know, I definitely all of the candidates have mentioned you know oh i want to thank you know this one gave me 20 dollars this one or this little little kid raised money for me i thought it was so sweet the way they really like called that out because it is true the little monthly people like me i want to feel like we're doing something you know not just in our own selves but we want to be acknowledged so it is but it is important for women to financially back whoever they want because that is a really a big deal. Tell me what you are working on, what is next for you? You kind of mentioned it. Now I'm now I'm
2: dying cuz now I already have two things I love. Now you're going to make
0: another thing. Now I need to see that.
2: <laughs> well, a couple of the projects that I have me excited are really supporting the vision of other female directors. So one is a project called Black Barbie that basically focuses in on sort of identity and, you know, like being able to see yourself in reflected in the toys that you grow up with. So that's one. Oh my God. I already want to see that. Yes. Yeah, I know. Well, that's where it's going into production soon. Uh, another one is called Sirens, which is about a female rock band in Lebanon. So just kind of atypical, right? Love that. Uh, Yeah. And then the one I'm really excited about is a feature film about fair pay icon Lily Ledbetter, my friend who's this super talented writer-director, Rachel Feldman, who has been sort of at this for years and has a whole story in her own career in terms of the choices that she was given. She has written this beautiful script about Lily Ledbetter. And now there's a team of us who are working to make it into a movie. Yeah. We're super excited. Oh my gosh. I can hardly wait for that. Well, we're going to put all this information
0: in the show notes because I want everybody to know how they can follow you, how they can know what's coming next, but also how to find the films we were already talking about. Equal means equal. uh, And uh, she could be next so they can watch those. Um, how do we also come alongside you, support what you're doing, or support some of these movements?
2: Well, you can follow and she could be next on social media and next dot com. You can sign up for our newsletter, and we tend to send out notes once a month. You know, just sort of give you some updates and things that might be of interest. Yeah. And you can follow me on either LinkedIn or, you know, any of the social media channels. And I tried to post about the things that I'm interested in. Those are the, you know, general okay. ways that okay. I think you can be of, you know, it's because things change, right? Yes. So what's of interest today might not be the same thing three months from now.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll put that on the show. It's all right. It's, it's time for the speed round, which is my favorite time.
2: Okay. Here we go. Cocktail of choice. Well, I thought about this because I'm normally a tequila girl, but I've become a brown liquor woman, and so I'm going to go with old fashioned. That's my husband's with rye, name. made with rye. Exactly. That's what my husband drinks. That is so funny. Old fashioned with rye. Mantra yep. or quote that you live by? Oh yeah. Well, you know, I used to say work in progress, but I'm updating my mantra um, through the inspiration of Amanda Gorman. Let's see if I can remember the. You know, she says there's always light. If only we're brave enough to see it. If only we're brave enough to be it. So I'm gonna try to work with that this year, especially since my name means light. Your name means light? Does in Hindi. Yep. Well, obviously this is obviously this
0: is your true calling. Forget the ABC of your parents. Sorry, parents. But obviously <laughs> this is what you're supposed to be doing. Oh my goodness. Tell me one thing you do every day that sets you up for success. Ugh.
2: Well, I'll tell you something I don't are you do. trying I don't to? exercise enough. You know what I've been trying this year is really looking at my list the night before. So I'm an active to-do list keeper, but really thinking about what I'm able to accomplish the next day. And then just like really looking at my calendar. And I guess that's my way of visualizing the next day. So those are the things that I, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty good about checking off my to-do list.
0: Yes, you are. You, I can tell because you get a lot done. I'm just <laughs> going to say, I know that about you. What makes you feel unstoppable?
2: I don't know that I feel that, Well, all right, how about this? No, Co- in your
0: moments, in your coffee. moments. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. I think a lot of people think <laughs> coffee is their superhuman strength. <laughs> yes.
2: What are you most proud of? Oh, I am, I mean, of course my daughter. But in, beyond that, I'm just really proud to be in community with so many people like you and other people out there who are really committed to making change right now. As dark as some communities seem, there are also like some really like active, engaged people who are really asking the tough questions of themselves. And I, I find it really exciting and proud. I'm proud of that. I could not agree with that more. What's exciting you the most right now? Just that. I mean, I I mean, seriously, look, every society goes through their periods of upheaval and and that can be scary. But I also find it incredibly exciting. Right. I mean, it feels like there's potential for change more so than ever before. Yeah. Well, I mean, I
0: think change has come to us in a big way. And I think a lot of people have realized, oh, you don't just after the change comes say, okay, we're done now. (laughs) because <laughs> there's more, I think we've really, it's really revealed this time that there's just so much more to do. There's so much more ground to cover that this is really almost like a, a beginning, like a rebirth almost where we need to really, you know, keep pushing forward with all of the things that are, we do. You know, yeah. It's, it's uncomfortable. I know that, but as birth is, give a choice. birth is uncomfortable. I think we are birthing a nation right now. That is my true, not to steal from Valerie Carr, who I love so much, but I do. I think we're, I think we are birthing a nation and finally figuring out that our nation is not all white men, that we're birthing a
2: nation. Exactly. I'm totally with you. In fact, I don't know if you can see behind me, there's this little statue. Yes. That's the Indian goddess Kali, who's the goddess of death actually, but you know, for India, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's really, if you think of it, death is also renewal, right? It's rebirth. So yes. yeah. New, new beginnings. Yeah.
0: Death of the old and, bringing life to the new. So yeah. I agree. Thank you so much for coming on with Thank me today. You. I like, we did not know each yeah. other. I am on this crazy text with you, which I love.
2: I know. I, I love it too.
0: And when I saw what, like all the things you were doing, I was like, you are coming on this podcast. Yes. Thank yes. You
2: too, Liz. I mean, I just think that's great to be in community with so many active, engaged women. It really brings me joy. Oh my God.
0: Yes, indeed. And please, I want to be engaged with you on everything you do. I think of me as your personal PR person. (laughs) I literally want to know everything you're doing so I can tell everybody what you're doing. Just for your
2: podcast. It's a great podcast. You're a terrific
0: interviewer. Oh my gosh, you're so awesome. All right, thank you, Jothi, And I loved our talk today. Thank you, everyone, for joining me. Remember to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. And if you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review. This is Conversations with Warrior Women podcast with me, Liz Swadek. And remember, every woman has a story. You just need to ask her. Bye.